All right. Welcome to week six of the Take the Points College Football Podcast. This one is the Ryan Spillett Show. Dan and I hate the lines this week. Ryan loves them. We've also got Ryan's specialty coaching talk, a lot of hot coaching talk. So I feel like I've got to do the world a favor and turn it over to my co-host, Ryan Spillett, right now. Carl Durrell, Paul Christ. Ryan, where do you want to start the show? Jeff Collins. Don't forget about him. That We didn't yep. do a show last week. We can't forget him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can no back. longer, sorry to interrupt, we can no longer take shows weeks off, and that one's on me. <laughs> like, we take a week off from the tarmac report, and it all goes to hell. The whole tarmac has been fired. It's amazing. I actually, I actually have all this. I have it written down in my. Uh, I have a notebook where I keep all my my tarmac notes. Oh, really? Um, oh, you're professional with this. Oh, dude, come on now. I, I assume multiple- like like me and Dan, you made everything up on the fly with zero preparation. All right, so what? Flight who, records. Week one. Who did you have? All right. So week one, number one was Frost. Number two was Herm. They're both gone. <laughs> Number five was Jeff Collins. He's gone. Adios. Uh, an honorable mention was Brian Harson. Oh, we'll get we'll get to him. <laughs> He's yeah. on his way. But you had some uh, additions in the next couple of weeks to the list. Correct. Carl Durrell made an appearance <laughs> on the tarmac as well. Um. So yeah, it's so far so good. We are. We are crushing the tarmac this year. So four, and there's more four to come. of, uh, I would say four of the five guys who have been, you know, averaged out over five weeks who have been our top five tarmac guys are now gone. And it's October 4th, Tuesday night, as we record this. So early and somehow Brian Hartson remains and they even have beat us because we've been texting each other about how Paul Chris sucks and he was about to go on the tarmac. They didn't even give us a chance to put him on there. They just went straight to firing. So um, he was on last year's tarmac at the end of the year. Yeah, w- we knew. Well, you know, you tell me your thoughts because I've got strong feelings on Paul Chris's firing, but you go ahead first. Well, I mean, there's not much to say other than like he was just a figurehead. He was just kind of there um, when your coordinator is considered the head coach anyways, by us and by many, um, it was only a matter of time. So Tom, you're more of the big 10 experts. So as far as like the recruiting and, and all that, like what happened? Because there was, there was all this optimism. They might have a quarterback. Then he transfers the cone, right? And he's no good anyways, but like they kept thinking they had the guy and they have not had the guy. So what, what's gone wrong here? Well, he, he transferred to Notre Dame and he actually started, was it last year or two years ago for a little bit? And then it didn't really pan out and the Ian book era continued or, um, but Graham Mertz as a freshman, I mean, he's on our Zach Mills watch list. He looked great. He was playing, I think he was in week zero, like three or four years ago, and he played great against Illinois. It might've been like Brett Bielema's first game ever at Illinois. And everyone was like, oh, this guy is like a future Heisman contender. And then slowly over the course of that season, he kind of waned down to average. And then he's just gone backwards every year. 
uh, and he never panned out, but he's, they're kind of in the Adrian Martinez zone where he's been good enough and they don't have any other options where he just continues to play year after year. Uh, you know, DJ Uyunglele was flirting with that territory earlier this season. Now he's looked okay in the last couple of games, but when you have a quarterback that's good enough, I would say Sean Clifford might be somewhat at the top end of this zone too, where they are good enough to continue saving their job and looking decent every week. And you can never get rid of them or bench them, but you know, they're not good enough to make your team really good or at least to the level where you could be. And of course, you know, with DJ or Sean Clifford, it's a different expectation, Um, you know, but Clemson's not going to win a championship with DJ at quarterback. You know, Penn State's not going to win the Big Ten East with Sean Clifford, probably. Um, But we'll see what happens with those guys. But with Graham Mertz, they're just in this weird zone where the recruiting is not quite as good. The quarterback's not quite as good. Braylon, uh, what's his name? Braylon Edwards or not Braylon Edwards. Braylon Allen. <laughs> yes. Braylon Allen, their running back who looked like a fucking beast last year. Uh, I think had like two yards rushing on eight carries or something like that last week. So he hasn't panned out. And it's just like Paul Christ is in that same zone where he's good enough to save his job for a while. And he never looks terrible. And no one except us is ever saying like, we got to get rid of this guy, but it's just a gradual decline, you know, boiling the frog of Wisconsin football over the course of several years. And then, you know, you wake up one day and they lose by 24 to Bielema and you're like, what happened? I didn't even notice. You know what I mean? So, um, while other coaches have made more of an impression tanking their teams, he's just done it, you know, very, very slow and steady to where you look. And this Wisconsin team's almost unrecognizable from the teams of just five years ago, let alone the Barry Alvarez years. So that's it. Uh, he's a great like Mac 2024 coach candidate. Uh, I wish him well. I don't think, I don't think he's a bad coach, but given the standards of Wisconsin football and the fact that they're uh, officially now last in the big 10 West, one of the worst divisions in all of college football, it's not good, but, and here's my prediction. Not only will uh, Jim Leonard end up as the full-time head coach at the end of the season, he will take them back and win the big 10 West from worst to best over the course of the rest of the season. So watch out for Wisconsin to rebound enough to win a lackluster Big Ten West. All right. I like it. And you are correct, Tom. Paul Christ will be the MAC coach of the year in like three years. Central Michigan. Yeah, oh, yeah. Central Michigan's eyeing him already. Well, yeah. He's in the mix there. I was thinking he's, you know, bowling green. He looks like a bowling, you know, he's a bowling ball of a guy. Bowling Green would be a good place for him. But uh yeah, not they just if you can't run the ball, then who the hell are you if you're Wisconsin? Like if you don't have stud offensive linemen, when was the last offensive lineman that went in the first three rounds of the draft from Wisconsin? Five years ago? Four years ago? Like not yeah. in the last two or three, there's not been a single Wisconsin offensive lineman worth mm-hmm. drafting. And that's pathetic. That's your bread and butter. 
Yeah, and there worse on the line, the offensive line, they're worse on the D line. They've still got great tight ends, great running backs. They've still got stiff white guy quarterbacks. So, you know, in the skill positions, they still look the same as they did uh, several years ago. But, you know, and the interior, they're declining and overall depth and all that declining. Um, we'll talk more about coaches, but I want to go over to Dan. You know, let's say that Paul Christ doesn't become a coach in the Mac and he decides to leave coaching entirely. We have a, we have a segment called the coaches restaurant where we help to relocate failed coaches into restaurant business jobs where we think they would fit well. So Dan, it's time for this week's coaches restaurant segment. Paul Chris, the recently fired Paul Chris, help him find a job in the restaurant industry. What restaurant would be a good fit? Thanks, Tom. I have a great spot for him to land. But but before I get there, I want to talk about Paul Chris a little bit. I, you know, in doing my research for, for Coach's Restaurant, I came across a couple key points. Um, first of all, he's a terrible head coach looking at everything. Um, he was at Pitt for three years and compiled a 19-19 record, including a 6-7 and seven year in the Big East with Aaron Donald, James Conner, Tyler Boyd, Tom Savage, a quarterback, and you finished under 500 in the mighty Big East, no good. 19 to 19 total, then gets to go coach Wisconsin just because he was born in Madison, Wisconsin, and lived there his whole life. Total joke. He inherited good recruits and did good his first three years, and after that, terrible. He's playing in the Pinstripe Bowl. He's playing in the Mayo Bowl. It's an absolute joke of a coach. So good riddance, Paul Christ. I also like to mention that his older brother used to be the commissioner of the Mac. That's right. So makes total sense. He I didn't even the know high that. End. Correct. This is why I'm here, Tom. Uh, so he was in the power five for far too long. His brother called him up and said, it's time to tank it out, bro. There's a spot waiting for you in the Mac. So this is so easy. He will be a Mac coach next. <laughs> but until he becomes a Mac coach, he's going to need some income. So the most logical restaurant for him to work at is Little Caesars Pizza. Now, Little Caesars Pizza is very simple. It's about cheap pizzas and crazy bread that's ready all the time, and that's what they're known for. Wisconsin football is known for running the football and playing defense, and lately they haven't been doing that. And Little Caesars hasn't really been hot and ready and simple like it used to either. Okay, couple things. <clears throat> I'm on the uh, webpage for Little Caesars right now. Back in the day in the 90s, Tom and Ryan, as you know, they offered basically three things. Pepperoni pizza, cheese pizza, crazy bread. I don't nice. even think there was any other meats laying around. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure there, there, there was nothing else. I don't think, think there was a sausage pizza. Um, not anymore. Let's see here. We got a we got a veggie supreme. We got a Hawaiian pizza with pineapple and ham. What? You got a Detroit style square pizza now. You can't have that. We got well, they're, they're based uh, out of Detroit, so they have to do that. Yeah, That's acceptable. Yeah, that one. I mean, okay. that one's an obligation, but there should be no Hawaiian Little Caesars pizza. Large hula Hawaiian pizza, twelve bucks with ham and pineapple on it. I say this as a guy who actually likes Hawaiian pizza or at least doesn't mind it, that they have no business doing Hawaiian pizza. 
Little Caesars has fallen off the track. The quality is not as good as it used to be. They don't have pizzas hot and ready for pickup. Ryan can vouch for that. He he probably gets a pizza ready, I don't know, 8% of the time when he goes and tries to pick one up. Um, and I would also like to point out that I think there's a typo on their menu. It has a little like uh, history of Little Caesars. I want to go through this with you gentlemen real quick. Uh, first one opens up in 1962. 1979, they come up with the coin phrase, pizza, pizza. In what year did they come out with hot and ready? Any guesses? 97? Ryan? 80, 87. Uh-huh. 2004. That's what it says on the web page. No, that is false. Thank you. I, I can't make this up. I'm staring at it right now. They, they only have four years for their whole timeline. And it's not like it's in a massive spreadsheet. 2004 hot and ready allows you to walk in grab a fresh pizza and enjoy. No, no calling, no waiting. No, false. No, Let me tell you something about the hot and ready. You could drive behind the Casson road, uh, <laughs> little Caesars in right. Camillus, New York. And Michelle Duncan would sit there at a folding table with a stack of cheese and a stack of pepperoni. And you would drive up in your car to a folding table, the kind of folding table mm-hmm. that Bills fans now crash through. And you would say, hey, Michelle. She would say, hey, Tom, what do you need? You'd say one cheese, one pepperoni. And she would hand them to you sitting at a folding table for like an eight-hour shift. And that was yep. like, I mean, maybe 98, 99 at the latest. Mm-hmm. It was They were doing hot and ready before that because me and the wad used to ride our bikes. <laughs> To go pick up hot and ready's. <laughs> That's like 93. So correct the story here. Okay. To, to bring it back full circle. Yes. Wisconsin football has gotten away from what they do. They had three net yards rushing last week uh, in a loss to Illinois coached by um, golden corral endorsed Brett Bilema and little Caesars has too much shit on the menu. Pizzas are now $8 and it's not the same quality. The pizza also just isn't as good. It doesn't taste like it used to. It's not my taste buds. Anyone can vouch for this who liked it in the nineties. They've cut back on their quality, just like Wisconsin cut back on their offensive linemen and sound fundamentals. (laughs) And he'll be able to fill in there for one or two years until that Kent state job opens up and you have the Dan P guarantee on October 4, 2022. Paul Christ will be in the Mac. There is no doubt in my mind. But uh, yeah, until then, Little Caesars. Thank you. Wisconsin football 2022, colon, not hot, not ready. No, <laughs> so true. Dan, you want to take a victory lap? Because our coach's restaurant segment last year, you did – pick a restaurant for Brett Bielema and you did pick golden corral. And just, I believe today or yesterday, he's been officially adored endorsed by golden corral. This is the first time you've ever um, like imagined something into existence in the coach's restaurant world. I've never been more proud of myself, Tom. Uh, I'm 41 years old. I have many life achievements, but this is, this is the peak, you know, graduating college or eh. having a career, but it's all about just, properly placing the idiot coach that he is at a golden corral. I like to give Ryan some shout out. Cause I was struggling with that one. He's like, it's golden corral. And I was like, that's correct. You are right. Um, but yeah, like it's just, 
we're the only people who who actually you know understands that this happened, and we and we were able to correctly place him with Golden Corral, and we're not making this shit up. But um, yeah, that that made my day reading that. I was like, oh, I gotta send this to the guys. They're gonna like this one. It's so good. I think what we need is like Ryan as a tally of the tarmac report. We need to keep like a running list. And so, and one of these days we just need to read off everything we did last year. And so far this year, because this stuff's coming true. Everything we do in a segment on this show is coming true at an unbelievable pace. Our picks can't hit to save our life, but our segments our fantasy segments about coaches getting endorsed by restaurants come true 100% of the time. Dan, Dan, I just need to say, I thought your greatest accomplishment was actually getting blocked by Marcus Fick on Twitter. Yeah, that's that, well, just my opinion. Yeah, Dan, you're three, also college football related. Three greatest accomplishments: <laughs> pissing off Marcus Vick, uh, beating Ready? beating Super Mario Brothers in eight minutes. No, as, here I got them. All three are college football related. One, Coach's Restaurant Golden Corral. Two, getting blocked by Marcus Vick on Twitter. Three. The final UConn football home game yes, on campus, yep, where we all rushed the field and the cops wouldn't let us. Wouldn't let us. We got pepper sprayed, and we were me and my roommate were on PTI, where they talked about it. And they showed me and him as the two people running out onto the field. So, yep, you, you all college football related. You tore That's down it. the field. You tore down the field for the last time for UConn before they moved to the <laughs> rent. You might have cursed them uh, forever, right? Because what? Oh no, what that are you was talking about. We just beat Fresno. We're golden, baby. They're they're a minus five favorite this week, but we'll get to that. All right, Ryan, any words on uh, Carl Durrell before we move on? I'm so sad he's gone. By the way, easiest money to be made all year. But anyway, how long was he? How long was he a coach? I swear to God, I never even heard of the guy until like five weeks ago when you started bashing him. He on the took tournament. over for uh, he took over for Mel Tucker. Oh, for so. Mel Tucker. Okay, well, coming yeah. up in our, our in our <laughs> future segment later the too rich to get fired segment featuring Jimbo Fisher and Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. They Jimbo's made the tarmac this year. One, one week just to keep him in his place. But yeah, the buyout's a bit large and, and Mel would be on it except yeah, that buyout is, yeah. is way too large. 95 million guaranteed. He can't coach I mean, a lick. He's getting like, that's a, more than the, that's more than the gross domestic, whatever of uh, the entire state of Michigan. It's like 8.2 million a win. <laughs> it's bad. All right. I think it's time to get That's in the awesome. lines, Dan. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. We're not going to mention the rescheduled SMU UCF game. No, but we'll, 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 we'll move right ahead. Um, although SMU is a good spade spot the rest of the year, they got players transferring out left and right. So keep that in the back of your head. Um, all right, Friday night just for fun. Nebraska at Rutgers, Nebraska minus three, total 48 and a half. Z, this one's all you. Ooh, speaking of trend setting, so Shianu famously talked about chopping wood, and then Mel Tucker at uh, Michigan State began using chopping wood as the Michigan State slogan last year, shortly before their downfall. Just this week, Parker Washington, wide receiver of Penn State University, the undefeated Penn State, posted something about chopping wood on Twitter, which means Penn State is about to lose out for the rest of the season. So um, there's some kind of wood chopping curse. 
And uh, Nebraska actually looked semi-decent for the first time last week. So I think you got to take Nebraska uh, begrudgingly in this game. I don't like I it. Have no idea. I don't like it either. Rutgers is real bad. All right. I'm I'm hundred percent sure Ryan has no comment on this game, so we're gonna move on. Uh I'll, I'll I will save it for later in, in the show where I, I throw it to him for my own personal amusement, but I'll hold off for now. All right, let's go to Saturday morning, October eighth. Oh, no, no way. No, we, we're not. No, back we gotta stick on Friday, Friday because the Houston Cougars have looked terrible this year and they are (laughs) a three point dog to Memphis on the road. And I don't think they're going to be able to keep that one close enough. Holgerson is uh, flirting with the tarmac report. I don't want to, uh, to, to, to steal anyone's thunder here, but two and three, uh, losing to Tulane's third string quarterback at home on a Thursday night game, question mark. Uh, not good. Yeah. Also, Friday night for fun, Tom. Colorado State at Nevada. As you know, Nevada's no good. Colorado State, 0-4 straight up, 0-4 against the spread. State of Colorado, 0-8 straight up, 0-8 against the spread. If you bet Colorado State, you have problems going on in your life. Go ahead and lay it with Nevada. If you lose, at least you're on the right side. And then, to be honest, the late night game, UNLV San Jose State's actually kind of fun. UNLV uh, is four and one somehow. They're going over to San Jose State. Go ahead and bet the over in that game and have some fun and a couple beers. But um, now it's time to get down to the real, the real business. TCU at Kansas, nine a.m. Saturday morning. Game day is going to Lawrence, not for college basketball, but for college football. Kansas, an amazing story this year. Uh, they host TCU. The Lions TCU minus seven totals now 67 and a half, which is up from 59 and a half. Fuck me. Um, I'll start this one. I think TCU hammers Kansas in this game. I think it comes to an end for Kansas TCU. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks is the fastest team I've seen in college football this year. Watching them destroy Oklahoma was so satisfying. Um, I'm sure all three of us enjoyed that thoroughly. They thrashed them badly and then just ran clock in the second half. Uh, I think they scored 31 in the first quarter, which is unbelievable. Um, they got speed on the on the field. Their head coach is killing it. I mean, they just look so good. Kansas actually has one of the worst rush defenses in the league, or the, I'm sorry, the whole country. Um, and that's not good when you face TCU because that's what they like to do the most. So. Look for TCU to hit a couple 50-plus yarders. Um, I think it's a good story for Kansas, but I think TCU pulls away late, something like 45-29 or something like that. I still like the over, but I don't like as much as the number it opened. But uh, I think I'm going to put TCU in a couple parlays this week. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I am quite confident in the over in this game, Dan. Um I like TCU as well. TCU and the hook is the play. Um, Kansas has been a good story, but TCU, like you said, their their kind of thing is they they're just running the ball, run, 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 run. But they also have a receiver who's probably going to be the number one receiver in the draft. Like there, that that dude is a freak show. Like he's going uh-huh. top ten in the NFL draft. Like that's crazy. Grim. Oh no, 
No, no, the other guy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Very good. The big guy, 6'3". He's ridiculous. Yeah, he's going top 10 in the draft. So I like the over. I think this is going to be something around uh, 45, 24, uh, 52, 27, that type of game. So 52, 27, let's call it, and uh, we'll get the over pretty easy. Z, what do you think? You know, I've been a fan of Kansas. They're my underdog team all year, uh, much like Wake Forest was for the last couple of years and Duke before them. They're the team I've been on. They've already doubled their projected win total for the year, so you've got to give it to them. I don't think they're overrated or a fraud or anything like that. So when I say I'm laying with TCU, it's uh, 100% because I think TCU is that good. I think TCU's look like the best team in the Big 12. And I'm going to say this, I mean, Kansas is ranked 19th. That's probably correct. Or maybe a, a few spots high TCU is way too low. TCU's as good as like eighth ranked Tennessee. I mean, they've played, I don't know if they have the same talent, but they've played as well as USC has, who's ranked now number six, I believe. Um, TCU to me is easily a top 10 team. And I'm going to lay this down here. I think they, I think they're going to win the big 12. I think they've got a, outside shot at a playoff. They look great wow. to me. Yeah. I don't think, are, you know, are they the Tinder team this year? Are I think they're, they're, they're the I think they are. Yes, I think they're the Tinder they team are. is what I'm saying. Um, they're so fun to watch. I still really think Utah has a good shot at that playoff spot too. If you're looking for teams just slightly outside of the, the mix, Utah and TCU would be the two teams outside the top 10 where I'd sort of, uh, put my stake in to say that they are playoff contenders at this moment. So, I think Kansas, you know, with game day and with the the momentous occasion that this is, I think they keep it somewhat close, but I think TCU does kind of pull away at the end and win by like 14 to 17 points. Let's go TCU. The official Tinder team of take the points 2022. Yeah, yep. We're we're riding with TCU the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic to watch. All right, another great game early slate Saturday. Tennessee at LSU, uh, Tennessee minus three. Wow. On the road in Baton Rouge. It is an early game, so it doesn't have the same energy as the night game there. Over under 63 and a half. Um, Tennessee's been looking great, been scoring a lot of points. Um, it took care of Florida in a shootout. Um, they took care of Pitt in a shootout. Uh, looks like they have some issues on defense, but the offense can score a lot of points. On the flip side, LSU's won four games in a row. It hasn't been pretty uh, evidence of last week against Auburn. Auburn got up 17-0. LSU scored a defensive touchdown. They scored a touchdown at the end of the first half on uh, after getting a, a very lucky break with a personal foul um, penalty on LSU or on Auburn on a third and 17. And they scored one touchdown in the second half to eke that game out 21-17. They actually had to intercept uh, like the 12th string quarterback on Auburn um, on like the eight yard line in the second half to hold on. So it's kind of a phantom uh, four and one record for LSU. I don't think LSU can score enough points to keep up with Tennessee, but I'm worried about Tennessee going on the road at LSU. Um, I lean Tennessee. I'll probably put a small bet on Tennessee just because I want them to win. And I don't like Brian Kelly or Jaden Daniels, 
Um, the LSU team just seems to hate each other. That might be because of their coach, cough, cough. But um, that offense is, is not good whatsoever. And uh, they're going to have issues. I mean, Tennessee can score a lot of points. Head and hookers up to like the fifth favorite for Heisman at this point. Um, I think you got to take Tennessee. See, what do you think? First off, how dare you say LSU hates each other? We all know they're a family. <laughs> um, Correct. Yeah, at only three points with all the, you know, with everything you just said, I think I also have to lean Tennessee, but because it's in Death Valley and I, I've got to imagine the LSU defense will show up as always, they've still got some playmakers. I think I'm going to lean an under in this game at 63 and a half seems a little high to me. Dan, is that dangerous? It's the Tennessee is so tricky. I mean, every game they play is like 45, 37, but I, I mean, you're, yeah, but they you, haven't played LSU. I mean, they've, they've been playing, you know, Florida was the best defense they've probably played. And also true. Great. And I, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, I know. I, Go right ahead. I'm not touching that total. I'm terrified. Yeah. As I said to start the show, I, I really hate all of the lines this week with a couple small exceptions. And so, uh, this is not one of the ones I like, but you know, I'm just trying to make a pick. I think the under is the most appealing. And I think as a side, I guess you've got to go with Tennessee, but I don't love it. Ryan, this is a total, total stay away for me. I do have no trust in Tennessee to go on the road to Louisiana and, and put four quarters together. I have no trust in Brian Kelly and that, that terrible team, terrible chemistry. <laughs> like it's just not good. Like we watched in like Boutte just doesn't give a shit. Like he no, just no. decides like, I'm not going to play for this series. I'm just going to hang out over here with my boys and like, he just doesn't yeah. care at all. So it Vegas knows something because there's no reason this game shouldn't be actually like six and a half. Uh-huh. This, the Tennessee is a touchdown better. Vegas knows something. And that tells me to stay the hell away. Yeah, no, you're totally right. This is a really shady game. I'm going to keep this one. Uh, I'm, you know, I mean, like this is a, a, a great game to watch, but maybe not the best game to bet. You know, it's just, that's kind of how it is. With all, the things, really, with all the things to um, bet on these days, I would like some site to allow us to bet on guys who are going to opt out of their bowl game. Booty, number like, one. Like now, and like the earlier in the season you place <laughs> no your bet, the better the odds. Yeah, I, I mean, Booty is going to like, you can't bet on him in December. He'd be off the board. But you bet <laughs> on him now at like, you know, seven to five odds. That's really cool, Tom. That's a good idea. I really like that. He is the he's the number one lock of the year to sit out the bowl mm-hmm. game. Yeah, and you know, of course, and, and, and like it's not going to matter when he goes like 16th in the draft to like Dallas. Yeah, Tennessee, <laughs> something like that. Saints. Like, yeah, yeah. There you go. It, those are the three most likely teams. Look at us. Um, all right. Also, 9 a.m. Arkansas and Mississippi State. Mississippi State minus eight. Eight. 61 and a half. Three and two Arkansas. Uh, tough loss um, two weeks ago to Texas A&M. They gave that game away with a fumble by K.J. Jefferson at the one-yard line. A freak long touchdown run by uh, 
A&M as well. And of course, the missed field goal at the end of the game. And then they played Alabama and they started really sloppy, turned it around in the third quarter, scored a couple unanswered touchdowns, got an onside kick, injured Bryce Young, and it looked great. But then we found out that the backup quarterback for Alabama is the fastest human being on earth. And that was that. Um, this line's inflated because Arkansas is coming off of two straight losses. Mississippi State is weird. Um, they're 4-1. Will Rogers has already thrown 19 touchdowns in five games. Um, they have this strange uh, air raid offense this year where it's a air raid kind of like the Patriots with Tom Brady in 2017 where he only throws it four yards, but it makes you insane because it's open every time. Um, I can't get that terrible LSU loss out of my head with Mississippi State, where they were up uh, two possessions. They're up like 14 points in that game at home, and then let LSU score like four touchdowns in a row. Like, if LSU could score on Mississippi State, why can't Arkansas? So I'm going to take the eight. I don't think Arkansas is that far away from Mississippi State. They're just victim of uh, playing Alabama in a couple bad bounces. The total is probably actually a little low at 61 and a half, but I won't, I'm not going to fuck around with that. Give me Arkansas in the eight. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas wins outright either, which is always a nice feeling when taking an underdog, especially with more than seven points. We think they have a chance of winning the game outright. So I like Arkansas. Ryan, what do you think? Arkansas money line. I'm not even concerned with the eight. I don't even want your eight. Just give me the money line. They're the better team. They are they are definitely the better team. Like you said, it's just the part of the schedule caught up, you know, got them. If Mississippi State had just played Alabama, what what would that line be? You know? Pick. pick. Yeah. Right. So I, I like Arkansas and I think they're I think they're the better team. I think they should be minus three in this game. Z. Yeah, I, I've got nothing to add. Agree with both of you. Right. Uh, the one thing on that game I will mention is um, from doing some research on it. Um, people say that the hole in Arkansas's team is their um, pass defense, which obviously could be an issue against Will Rogers. But look, if, if like I said, if LSU can score that many points, Arkansas can. All right. Uh, Red, Red River rivalry, Texas, Oklahoma and Dallas. Texas minus seven. Didn't see that coming a couple weeks ago, did you? Uh, total 65 and a half. Dylan Gabriel got hit late and hard by TCU. He was at practice today, but just wearing a jersey, no pads, and observing practice. Don't know if he'll play. I'm, I'm kind of leaning that, yeah, he will play because Oklahoma doesn't want to go to three and three. Texas defense is terrible, as we know. I don't care if it's uh, Hudson Card, Quinn Hewers, Dylan Gabriel, Tanner Mordecai, whoever the hell the backup is these days at Oklahoma. Uh, excuse me. The backup at Oklahoma is General Booty, the name you should General know. General Booty. Sounds good. Give me over 65 and a half. This game goes over every year. I've, I've, I've seen enough. Uh, I'm not laying seven with Texas. I can't do it. I don't trust it, but I don't, I'm not, I hate Oklahoma. So over 65 and a half and have some fun, Tom. 
I have no idea with the quarterback issues of Quinn Ewers apparently might play. He says he's going to play, but it's hard to imagine he'd be at a hundred percent what we saw in the early Alabama game. So uh, I'm, I, I can't do anything with this game. Too many uh, factors. Brian, just same as you play the over, play it with confidence, have some fun, root against Oklahoma. Very good. Do you guys want to talk about either Purdue at Maryland or Louisville at Virginia? Ryan. Oh, I got thoughts on all this. (laughs) Purdue, Maryland, love the over in this game. 59 and a half is really low. Both these teams can score a bit. Um, I think these teams are pretty matched up pretty evenly, and I think there's even a chance that even if it's relatively low scoring, you're, you know, 27-27. You know, that type of thing, 24-24, you got an overtime shot too. So I like the over in that game. Yeah, I like that too. As for Louisville, Virginia, (laughs) it's time for the tarmac report, people. Yes. Here we go. All right. I had a feeling. Enough messing around. Tarmac time. We've been so good this year, knocking these out of the park that I can't do five. I got to expand the list. We're doing six this week because oh we missed God. last week. Look, we missed last week, so we get six this week. But ha- your entire list already got fired, so you're you're going five new guys essentially. Oh yeah, don't worry. There's some mainstays. The tarmac. They're still the tarmac is never rounding for bodies. There's two guys. I'm sure of, but I'm excited to hear the rest. Go right ahead. All right. Coming in at number six, we're going to, we're going to keep him at six because I think he has one more week left. And after this game, when he loses really, really bad at Georgia on the road, Mr. Harson's going to get one more shot. So our boy Lane Kiffin can get a Shang song next week. They have at Georgia at Ole Miss by week. That's the, the Brian Harson buyout game. So he stays at six for now. Next week, he'll be one. <laughs> Number five, the aforementioned Louisville Cardinals, Scott Satterfield, just like, they're just wasting talent. Like they actually have some decent talent and they're just completely wasting it with this fraud. Like they're just, they're not good. I don't think he has the respect of the team. And I just think they're terribly, terribly underachieving in a mediocre ACC. He's had opportunities to take that, that conference, and he hasn't. That's a shame. Speaking of team speed, down in South Florida, there's another loser. Dan's been all over this one. Oh, so yeah. I'm going oh, to yeah. give him a number four, Jeff Scott. We've given you enough time. Gave you the benefit of the doubt that you had some some Charles Charlie Strong trash to get through, but it's been long enough. Now it's your trash, and you're doing nothing with it. All right. Speaking of trash down in Florida, <laughs> we're gonna go over to Boca. Who could it to be? Willie? To our favorite, our mainstay. He's gonna be on the tarmac until. Forever. It's the best. He keeps getting hired just for our comedic purposes. Willie Taggart, not good. 
We've said enough about him in the past. Number two, Neil Brown at West Virginia. God, like the Big 12 is so bad and has given them every opportunity to make like to, to be good. And then they just never have. They'll win one or two games, get you excited, save his job. And then he's going to blow three straight. Losing to Kansas should have been fireable, but Kansas ended up being pretty good. So we can't hold it that hard against him. But he still is not a good coach. He tried to save his job by bringing in uh, our boy. Was it Graham Harrell, right? Mm-hmm. That, that has not worked at all. Just clean house, West Virginia. Take him out into the quad and burn him like a couch. Number one, Tom's beloved Big Ten. There is a guy hanging out in the middle of the country in his black and yellow. Yes. And the whole damn family needs to go down. It's a family affair. It is a family affair. Brian Kelly style. We're going we're gonna to bring the whole family out into the cornfield. And we're Shoot. just going to. We're just gonna we're gonna tie him. No, we're gonna tie him up. We're gonna make him scarecrows. God, you guys aren't Doctor Who fans like I am, but there's a really really great two part Doctor Who from like series three, I want to say, on the comeback. So maybe 2007 ish. Great two parter, and long story short bunch of aliens fighting the doctor, blah, blah, blah. As punishment, because of all the bloodshed they've already caused, he doesn't want to kill them. It's not his way. But as punishment, he makes the son of the family, and they're actually called the family, the family of blood. And he makes the son a scarecrow uh, for all of eternity. So he can't die and his his role for all of eternity until the earth is gone is to be a scarecrow in this field. So that's where the Ferentz family is headed. The family of blood, the family of Hawkeyes will be scarecrows forever. That's the tarmac, folks. You and know, Dana Holgerson, we got our eyes on you. You we know, need- we've lost all of our, you know, four of our five original tarmac residents, but it doesn't really feel like we're bringing new names in. I mean, aside from the South Florida (laughs) coach, it's like all guys who have like either, you know, been in for a minute or, you know, who have been like waiting at the velvet rope outside, you know, what's his name? Jeff Scott from South Florida. That guy's been waiting outside the club, checking his watch every five minutes, yelling at the bouncer. Don't you know who I am? You got to let me in. I deserve to be in there. All my friends are in there. These guys, these guys have been on the edges of the tarmac. They've made appearances and now they're, they're taking over the tarmac. The new class is coming in. We just keep on reloading. Like it's Alabama's roster over here. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we we don't rebuild at the tarmac. We reload. And by the way, every guy you mentioned, all six of them will not survive to the end of this year. I'm calling that right now. (laughs) Every single one of them is gone. I like it. My uh, goal is to go like 12 or 15 this year. <laughs> you are, you are taking souls like Shang Tsung. 
for real. All right, uh, moving on to the 12:30 slate. Auburn at Georgia. Georgia laying 30, total 49. Georgia jacked around last week. It's two weeks in a row. They jacked around against Kent State, jacked around at Missouri. It's what happens when we skip a podcast. Is there a problem with Georgia, or are they just uh, half asleep in the middle of the year? What do you think, Tom? Uh, the Well, they're definitely half asleep. That part is definitely correct. As for is there a problem, I mean, relative to what? They're not as good as last year. I mean, they lost something like, what, 13 or 15 guys to the NFL 15. draft? So, you know, at some point, you can kind of fake it for a little while, and somehow they crushed Oregon. Um, but they're not as good as that week one performance. Um, I, I mean – I don't know. Something's up this year. Like they don't look as good. Alabama looks somewhat flawed, even Ohio state, even though they've been crushing people, they they've got flaws. So there's no dominant or perfect team this year. And it's just one of those like muddled years of college football. So yeah, I mean, anyone, anyone could lose this Georgia team's not invincible. I wouldn't shock me if they lost a game this season, same with Alabama, same with Ohio state. And, you know, if those two teams, Georgia and Alabama, are to meet in the SEC championship and both or one has already dropped a game, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if one of them isn't a playoff team this year. So um, who, who knows? But, yeah, they're not as good, but they are still the, I would say, odds on favorite for uh, certainly the SEC East, maybe the whole SEC. I think Georgia's better this year. Oh, I don't agree with that at all. I think they're I think they're faster, they're more dynamic offensively. And I think, I think they their have, their secondary is much has is, is more experienced. I think Stetson Bennett is better. I think um they are getting the ball more to the tight ends who are awesome. I don't think the receiving core is good. I don't think the running backs are as good. I don't think the defense as a whole is as good. Although, you know, in certain places like the secondary, they seem just as good or improved. So you know, you're, you're talking about a team that now is in that, like, don't rebuild, but reload category with Alabama or Ohio state, et cetera. So, um, they're always going to have good guys at the next level, but you know, I, I don't agree that they're as good. And I think that Missouri game kind of showed it, although it was never really in doubt to me. Like I knew they were going to come back and win that game. Um, they could have won by more. I think they're going to absolutely destroy Auburn this week, like 55-0. Auburn can't score. They got some fluke early points in a night game at home against LSU. They got shut out for the last 45 minutes of the game, basically. Georgia will be focused this week coming back home. SEC on CBS. Blowout. Lay it with Georgia. All right, let's move on. So, I mean, let me just – jump ahead a little. So yeah, Georgia, you know, coming off that Missouri game, they'll be fired up. They've got Auburn and then they've got Vandy next week, which should be an easy win. But starting October 29th, I mean, they have Florida, Tennessee at Mississippi state at Kentucky. So yeah, like getting through all four of those games, winning them all. I mean that, you know, that's going to take some doing. So um, yeah, they've got their work cut out for them. I think. Absolutely. 
All right, another 12:30 game, a little bit early for my liking, but still a great game. Utah at UCLA. Utah minus four and a half, total 65. UCLA fresh off a nice win over Washington where they were just barely able to hang on after having like a 24-point lead. Um, but, you know, I will give credit where credit's due. That's the best game DTR has ever played, and uh, they look good. But I think UCLA was 4 or 5-0 and last year that fell apart, so could be the same story. Utah's quietly smashing everybody again in the mouth. Um, they're one play away against Florida from being like the fifth ranked team in the country. Ryan, take this one. Yeah, to me, this is an easy play for Utah. Um, the four and a half is is fine. <clears throat> um, I think UCLA is coming off their biggest win in what two? <coughs> excuse me, two or three years, probably. So there's just Uh, a huge, a huge letdown spot here. Like I just don't see how DTR can put together two perfect games in a row against a Kyle Whittingham defense. You know, it's one thing to do it against a new coach who's known for offense and not a defensive guy. This is a defensive guy and he's going to, he's been game planning against this guy for seven years. How long has DTR been the quarterback? Six, seven years. 12. 12 years. Like, Winningham's been beating his ass every year. So I don't see any reason why it won't change. That's a good point. Z. Utah. I think Utah's a significantly better team. And if I think of it, you know, UCLA played a great game last week, but, you know, body of work. I think if we were picking this game a week ago, the line would be like, you know, 13 or something, and we would all still pick Utah. So I'm just going to go with the body of work. Utah seems like a much better team. Good point, Tom. All right, Tom, this is your wheelhouse. Ohio State and Michigan State. Ohio State laying 26 and a half, total 64. Yes, I very much hate this line in this game. Uh, Ohio State, I don't know what they're doing. You know, they are scoring a lot of points and they're beating teams solidly. But if you watch the games, they don't put together four good quarters in a game. And there are times they look kind of bad. Jackson Smith, Najigba still injured. I don't know if he's going to play. Maybe not this week. I think he's like 50, 50. Um, I don't know. Michigan state on the other hand has looked horrible. So you absolutely can't bet Michigan state. So, um, and then that that totals too high the way Michigan State's been playing. You know, they could only score a touchdown against Minnesota. So, you know, it's possible Ohio State covers this and still goes under. Um, if I have to pick, I'm going Ohio State and I'm going under, but I hate both of those. So avoid. Ryan, any thoughts? Ohio State, easy. Just lay it. It's fine. They're going to bash them. I kind of agree with that. Tom, I'm I'm officially inviting you to come out to Phoenix. New Year's Eve. Fiesta Bowl is a playoff game. It's um, two versus three. You might see Alabama, Ohio State. I will have complimentary tickets waiting for you if you're interested. Really? If you can make – oh, absolutely. No all problem right, so, at all. So uh, Penn State versus TCU. Yes. Two-three matchup or, you know – 
maybe Penn State versus Utah. But yeah, ooh, this sounds interesting. If you can ever make it out, I promise you a great time. I, I think I could get us up into the VIP suite too for the uh, Fiesta Bowl, but that's that that's a conversation for off the air. <laughs> this I don't know if but, this uh, would this would infringe on my Super Bowl trip. Well, it's gonna have to come twice in six <laughs> weeks. There's nothing you can do. Maybe I'll just stay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean the the it's going to be awesome. The Fiesta Bowl this year is the two three. It's going to be a great game. Me and Ryan, a thousand percent, will be there, and you and Jesus are more than welcome to show up, or anybody can. Any anyone who listens to take the points can contact us on Twitter, <laughs> and I will take you to the Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, bump, 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 bump. Okay, one o'clock. Now we're getting to the real meat of the schedule. North Carolina at Miami. Miami minus four, total 66. Well, we took a week off, so we got to give our Miami and North Carolina update. North Carolina gave up 41 to Notre Dame somehow. And um, then they actually played decent against Vod Tech, but Vod Tech is a complete train wreck of a program. Miami uh, last week uh, had a week off, which was necessary after blowing it badly at home to Middle Tennessee State and giving up a billion points to them. Tyler Van Dyke uh, got pulled for the backup. <clears throat> Mario Cristobal has announced that Tyler Van Dyke will be back at quarterback this week because there is no defense in the country to get healthy quicker against than the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina is going to score points against Miami. Their freshman quarterback, by the way, how about these numbers so far? Uh, 115 of 165 for 1594 and 19 touchdowns in five games so far. Good God. Um, against Van Dyke and Gene Chizik. Lock of the week, over 66. Take it, bet it, put it in all your parlays. Appalachian State's no good at all, by the way. Uh, we've seen that since the North Carolina game. They had a win on a Hail Mary against Troy. They lost to James Madison, I believe. Um, and they scored 63 on North Carolina. Notre Dame scored 41. Miami's going to score in the 40s. I don't see any possible way this game goes under. I don't think it's even possible to jinx it over, over, over. Favorite play of the week by far on the whole board. You guys got anything to add on that one? I obviously agree with you, and I've circled this as one of the few bets I like, but uh, I have a nickname for North Carolina's young quarterback. You know, he's yet to make a national impression, really. So I'm, I'm hoping we can come up with this and have it stick. Drake Yolo Mays. I like that. Let's call him YOLO. Yes. <laughs> YOLO at quarterback. YOLO Mays. Very good. Very good. All right. Now moving on to the marquee game of the week. Game day is not there, but, you know, I understand why it's in Kansas. UConn travels to FIU. UConn laying five points, total 46 and a half. FIU is the worst defense in the entire country. UConn coming off a big win against Fresno State minus Jay Kaner. Tom, can you take UConn as a favorite in this game? First off, I'm pretty sure, you know, if not for the tragic hurricanes that made, you know, travel there impossible, I'm pretty sure game day would have gone to this game. 
Yeah. You know, Kansas is a nice backup. Um, can you lay five points with UConn? Well, historically, the answer to that question would be no. If ever there was a time they are coming off a win against a somewhat legitimate Fresno State program, not the best Fresno State, but they're still better than UConn, and they're playing a very bad FIU team, but it is on the road, and it is UConn. So I'm going to opt for a very hilarious scenario of an outright UConn loss. I think you're right, Tom. And I'm sure Ryan has zero interest, so we're not even going to go to him whatsoever, even again for my own personal amusement. I am going to throw it to him for this one, though. South Carolina travels to Kentucky. Kentucky laying 10.5. South Carolina coming off a big pre-hurricane win against South Carolina State which Spencer Rattler threw two interceptions in that game against South Carolina State when they were a 50-point favorite at home. Ryan, go ahead. I wish you could bet that Kentucky is going to like quadruple them up. Like, not double them up, not triple them up. <laughs> They're going to quadruple them up in this game. It's going to be like 40 to 10. So Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer is also <laughs> on the <laughs> watch list. The committee, the committee has brought his name up in the past, and I'm starting to get curious. <laughs> there are committee members heading to Lexington to scout this game. Oh yes, <laughs> Tom, you got anything on this one? I was just going to say, you know, speaking of Beamer, I think Shane Beamer, I also, even though he just started, Brent Pry needs to be on the watch list at Virginia Tech. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and, and, I'm, I'm giving him a, a Fuentes was really bad pass. And, uh, yeah, he's not on the list this year, but he's going to be on the watch list for next year early. Yeah, great coordinator at Penn State. When Manny Diaz moves on to like the head coach at Temple next year, Brent Pry, you can come back. Come on back home. Uh, all right. Uh, another late or actually early evening game. BYU at Notre Dame. Notre Dame at home, minus three and a half, total 52. BYU 4-1, strange resume. They've looked very weird. Overtime game against Baylor. Close game somehow against Utah State. I guess it's an in-state rivalry thing. I don't know. Um, Notre Dame has won two games against Cal and North Carolina after starting 0-2. This seems like um, an even pick-em game where they made Notre Dame a a three-and-a-half point favorite due to home field and being a night game at South Bend. Tom, what do you think about this one? This line really jumped out at me because it seems wrong. I mean, just based on the caliber of the teams, I would think that BYU would be, you know, roughly a pick even away on the road, you know, and at home, I would think BYU would be like a, you know, four or five point favorite against Notre Dame. So I guess I w- I'm going to take the points, especially at three and a half. I do like that half point. I think if Notre Dame wins, it's like a field goal win. So take the points. Ryan, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm taking BYU in this one. Um, Notre Dame's going to be without their 
uh, stud linebacker for the first half due to an ejection last week. Mm. However, BYU, their star safety appealed his suspension and got it overturned. So he will, will be playing the entire game. So I like BYU in the spots uh, money line. Don't need the points. Okay. If money line, you're good. But if you're taking the points like I plan to, I might jump on this one a little early in the week because I think it's going to go down. Yeah, I still take it now, though, money line, because you're going to get a better price. True, true. All right. BYU, lock it in. I agree. I think it's a field goal game, and I'll take the three and a half. Uh, It's really that simple. Speaking of three and a half points, uh, that might be it's all scored in this game. Tom, Iowa at Illinois. Illinois minus three and a half, total 35 and a half. Would, all right, what's higher? The amount of points that'll be scored in this game or the amount of trips the three of us can make to the buffet line at Golden Corral in one sitting? Mm. All three, the cumulative total. At the, at the golden corral, because, you know, I remember times at the old country buffet that we would go there at like nine in the morning, stay till like three in the afternoon, get in about three meals and then go try to play basketball at Mike Ranieri's house and just like fall over on the driveway. Cause we were too full. <laughs> so that, that experience will be what it's like to watch this game. Therefore I do not recommend, but, um, Hey, one of these teams is looking okay, and that's Illinois, and they're a three yeah. and a half point favorite over last year's third ranked Iowa team. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> At this point, last year, one year ago, this Iowa team was ranked third in the country, having just beaten Penn State and Taquan Roberson. So, uh, what a fall off it's been! Now, from number three in the country to number one on the tarmac, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, I think Illinois is going to beat them and cover a three and a half spread. And I think the game's going to go over. Yes. Wow. That's a shocking selection. 38 total points. 24-14. Is that 38? Yeah. 24-14 Illinois. And I think this is where the rest of the country catches up to Mr. Ryan Spillett and realizes the Ferentz family needs to be uh, taken out into the cornfield. It's a good, that's pretty good. Ryan, you got anything on this piece of shit game? Pass. <laughs> There's let my let me add, let me add, Dan, we've been chasing the Holy Grail, which is a uh, big 10 game with a 29 point total. Uh, when Iowa plays Wisconsin at the end of this year, and now Jim Leonard's in charge with that defensive philosophy, and we know Wisconsin's offense can't score. Iowa, Wisconsin, 29 and a half point total. Let's do it. I'm going to argue that the total for this game is inflated, inflated due to two defensive scores by Iowa against Rutgers and garbage time fourth quarter points against Michigan. But that's what they do, well, but that, but but that's because Rutgers is that bad. Illinois is slightly better. They won't give them the defensive scores. And then Michigan had too big of a lead and played softy. Neither is going to happen in, in this game. Love under 35 and a half. Nope. 
13-10 final. Tommy Ryan, DeVito is Tommy DeVito's throwing a pick six. Mark it down. <laughs> yeah. First off, I guarantee you there will be an Iowa defensive touchdown. And I believe the <laughs> Iowa defense will will lead to two other field goals, you know, like a fumble recovery at the 27 and then, you know, a three and out and a long field goal. And then other, uh, so I'm revising my pick to 24, 16, Illinois. You have my word. I'm going to find the lowest alt total available in any betting market. I will bet it. And I'm sending you a screenshot of it. I want under 24 and a half. That's what I want. Nope. It's going to be 40, 40 points. Even Iowa's defense will score seven themselves and will be directly responsible for two other field goals. Iowa's offense will be responsible for three points. Spencer (laughs) Petrus Petrus still can't pronounce his name. Will he will rack up three points. Iowa's defense will be responsible for 13 points. Not directly, but you know, they'll like, they'll recover a fumble on the 17 then Petrus will get sacked and they'll kick a field goal from like the 27. Uh, hold on. Give me one second here. Hang tight. All right. I see under 29 and a half being offered on one site at two to one. Easy money. Wow. I'm betting that. I, I know it feels huh? good. I know it's tempting, but you just gotta, you gotta hold off. You gotta wait for that mm-hmm. Wisconsin game. Nope. I'm going to take that money and I'm going to go over and get myself a Hawaiian pizza at little Caesars and show you, show you how to spend that money. Um, all right. Late night time. And then you guys can talk about ones I missed Oregon at Arizona, Oregon minus 13. That shot up from 10. They got released at, which is way too low total 70 and a half. Oregon's looked really good. Uh, post um, Georgia, four wins in a row, a lot of offense. Bo Nix, he's been putting up the crazy numbers, 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, five touchdowns, just an incredible run. He's due for a flop. Arizona's a weird place to play a night game. Um, Arizona's not that good. They, they seem to do well against terrible teams, but if they play in one half decent, they really struggle. Uh, I think Oregon wax is Arizona in this game. I I like Oregon minus 13. Ryan, you like anything in this one? No, I mean, I probably would lean Oregon too. Um, I think Arizona is not quite as good as we thought they were were at the beginning of the year. Um, But, you know, compared to Arizona state, I guess we kind of overvalued them in our heads, but don't have a great feel for this game though. All right. Z, you got anything? I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> that's my own personal amusement. And that's it. That's all I have to talk about. Uh, Z, any, uh, please go ahead and pick ones that I, yeah, I missed. I got, I got two. First off, uh, we must recognize the Adrian Martinez for Heisman movement as it has begun two weeks ago. And uh, Kansas State now goes to Iowa State. And uh, I think they'll uh, keep it rolling win by two points. Um, the other one I want to talk about, I'm not necessarily a pick, but Dan, I want to get your take on it. Boston college is absolutely horrible this year. We know this. Um, but every year there's one game where Boston college hosts a night game and it's cold 
seasonably or like unseasonably cold in Boston and a Southern team that should wallop them comes up and is too cold to play. And it's either an upset or a very close win. And I feel like this Clemson game has the potential to be that game where a team that should come in and beat them easily will just be too cold and miserable in Boston to win by more than like nine points. What do you think, Dan? Uh, it's possible. Boston College came alive a little bit last week. Um, you know, they beat Louisville at home. I don't know. I I, I, I hate Boston College. I, I can't do it. I mean, this is a total stay away from me. All right, let me put it this way. I would be very wary of betting on Clemson. If you think Clemson's, you know, if you just look at them on paper and you think Clemson's way better than Boston College, I would warn That's people fair. to be very careful about this one. Truth. What else? Anything else for kick it to Ryan? That's all for me. All right, Ryan. All right, I'll do these quick. I got a six pack of picks here for us. And then I'm going to throw out a parlay for everybody too. Um, Florida minus 11. Missouri blew their load last week at home. Had George on the ropes. Now they have to go um, and deal with Florida. I think Florida absolutely waxes them. Minus the 11. Easy. Um, Wisconsin Northwestern. Tom, you were all over Wisconsin. Can't score against anybody. You know who's even worse on offense? Northwestern. I do. Northwestern. Under 44. 44. 44. That's a massive over under. It's too high. Jim Leonard is going to run the ball 82 times in this game. Northwestern's only going to run like 22 plays total. Yeah. Way under. Way, way under. That does have 1310 written all over it. This, Correct. The, what you were talking about, Dan, with Iowa, Illinois, I think this is the game that is more likely to be that way. You wait and see, Tom. Just wait and see. What's the combined? I wish you could bet combined total. So <laughs> no, like, now, now we're talking. <laughs> That's give me, so good. DJ. Give me a combined total of a combined total of 80 points on those two games, and I will lay my house on the under. That's so great. I mean, I wish we could do that like with like, you know, two overs that you really liked. And if one of them just comes a little short, you're like, don't worry. The next one's going way over. Okay. Now North Carolina has to now go 20 points over for me to get this. Yep. Be like, oh shit. You know, the first game we picked was an over 60 and only 48 points came in. Now the North Carolina, uh, Miami totals now moved from 66 to 78, but I'm still feeling good about it. Let's do it. We got to get, so we got to talk to our friends in Vegas, get Brent Musburger on the horn. Like we've got some new bats, some new markets to open up. I love combining spreads. That's such a, that, that's really smart. I mean, it's, it's one of the best ideas I've ever heard actually. Thank you. I try. Trademark yes. that Tom. That's genius. It really is. Uh, real quick. Tulsa. They're not that bad. Their record says they're two and three, but they're not that bad. Navy really sucks. Uh, coming off the loss at Air Force, coming home after that, that's always a, a devastating loss when you lose to a service academy. So I like Tulsa minus the six here. Um, Washington, I like them a lot in a bounce back game after that fluky UCLA game. Arizona State's terrible. 
the 14 points doesn't bother me at all. Lay the 14 with Washington. Uh, speaking of Washington, I like Washington State USC. Dan, how did you miss this one? Over under 66. Mm. Like that Oof. one a lot. Washington State USC. There's going to be some points in that one, folks. Uh, and then the other game, the last game I like a lot is you guys missed this one too, talking about UConn beating Fresno. Fresno now has to play a resurgent Boise. Boise minus the seven and a half. I'm going to lay the seven and a half and just fade that that Mora took a shank, got a Shang sung, and Fresno's going to take two or three weeks to, to bounce back from that loss. That was such an embarrassing loss that it's going to go into the next week. Uh, and then my favorite play of the entire weekend, Dan, tell me, please put this parlay in. For, it's, it's just so fun. It's just perfect symmetry. Texas, Oklahoma over 65 and a half. UNC, Miami over 66. Washington State, USC over 66. TCU, Kansas over 67 and a half. All those games are like between 65 and a half, two at 66 exactly, one at 67 and a half. Just parlay those four, get the 70 points in all four of those games, like mid-third quarter, good to go. That's my absolute favorite play of the season so far. Very good. Very good. Okay. That wraps up the lines. Tom, take it away from here. Yeah, uh, we're well over time for a normal episode, so I think uh, we'll probably just wrap it up unless you guys have any um, last words. It's good. It's an okay week. Uh, Next week's a really good one. And um, the second half of October has some great, great games. And so I feel like we're really getting into the meat of the schedule right now. Anything you guys are looking forward to? Any teams that look like... um, sleeper playoff or conference winner teams or, you know, teams that have caught your eye. Now we've touched on them. TCU, Utah. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's like TCU and Utah are, are the two that might sneak up and, um, you know, win. you know, Syracuse has been a nice story, uh, Kansas has been a nice story and they'll, they'll finish with good seasons. Wake forest has been looking pretty decent again, but like, these are not true contenders. You know, I think TCU and Utah are the two teams that look like they might actually have a chance to win their conferences. And how about Ole Miss looking real good also? I wouldn't rule them out from, you know, upsetting, you know, some marquee teams perhaps. Lane train um, rolls on. Real quick, um, Syracuse, they are on a bye. And then they have... Uh, Here's their remaining schedule. How many of these games do they win? Home against NC State, at Clemson, home against Notre Dame, at Pitt, home against Florida State, at Wake Forest, at Boston College. Somewhere between one and five. I think they can win probably three of those games, possibly four. I think they could actually somehow figure out a win against NC State, even though they'll be yeah. a dog in that game. They won't beat Clemson. Notre Dame sucks. They could figure that out. Mm-hmm. Nard Dog's always good to choke one away. Florida State's unpredictable. BC sucks. Uh, perfect world, I think they can win five. More realistic, I think they're winning two to four. I think, Ryan, you're right. I think they win three more games. 
They finish eight and five, which will put them in. That puts them in nice pinstripe territory. Yeah. Remember our, bet. Remember our bet. You come out. Hey, so, I'll, ca- I'll catch you in New York city on the 29th and we'll, uh, we'll share a flight to Phoenix for the Fiesta bowl. Great deal. If they're in the pinstripe game, I'll go as long as you come back with me to go to the Fiesta bowl. All right. It's on. It'll be the worst game. Like I'll be sitting at that game going, this fucking sucks, but at least in two days we get to go to the playoff game. Talk about It'll like be way better diverse experiences. You'd be sitting in that <laughs> yeah. 20 degree Yankee stadium watching Syracuse Terrible. playing like a seven and five Oklahoma team with no quarterback yeah, with all with all bowl opt outs, thirty players. Yeah, with out. nobody playing, and then flying to Phoenix and being in a VIP section in like a eighty seven degree January day to watch the second yep. and third best team in the country. Well, yeah, like and then and like there's a real chance it's like Alabama, it's like Ohio State Georgia, like that could be so good. I yeah. mean, I mean, I think I think Ohio State versus an SEC team is your most likely outcome. Great. Uh, last time they had the playoff here, I, I was at the game. It was Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, so great. Uh, I'll, I'll, and that was Trevor Lawrence. Again. Trevor Lawrence blanked Ohio State that year, right? That's correct. And I was like, they're winning the national title in two weeks. You might want to go ahead and I've seen enough. They just shut out Ohio State. Yeah. Shut out. Insane. They anyway, were good. That's yeah, that team's underrated. One of the best teams ever. Agreed. Yeah, them and uh, we'll have to revise our greatest teams of all time because 2019 LSU keeps looking better and better. Like, yeah, like top three for sure, maybe number one. We'll have to talk about that one. in a future episode. But that Clemson best team ever. looks like a top 10 best team also. Yeah, they're underrated. They're completely stacked. All right. But, We've all done right. a good show this week. We'll be back next week and probably back for the rest of the season. No more bye weeks. So, uh, until a computer breaks in like three weeks and then we just give up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for staying with us and we'll see you next week. I'll hit record again. (laughs) All right. We're back. This is a this bonus is a segment. hidden bonus track, like Crackers track ninety nine on their CD, uh, or Everclear's "I'll Be Hating You for Christmas" at the end of the "So Much for the Afterglow" album. Uh, we forgot to talk about Alabama, Texas A and M. Pretty pretty sweet show we're running. We talk about Carl Durrell for like forty seven minutes, <laughs> and we talk about a Fresno State game. We break down UConn. We forget to talk about Jimbo versus Saban. So Dan Partridge is going to have one minute breakdown on this pretty easy to predict uh, game. Yeah. Um, 12 gracious melodies will be played before this game. Uh, if you're an Alabama fan. So I don't think Bryce Young is going to play. I think they're going to sit him this game. No, I don't um, think so either. I'm going to bet an under now and uh, kind of keep my fingers crossed that he sits. Obviously, a lot of off-season hatred between Jimbo and Nick. Um, I think it's going to be a physical game. A&M's offense sucks. Alabama's defense is still great. I'm not interested in laying that many points, but I'll take an under. I think Alabama wins the game something like uh, 33-13 is my my guess on that. Um, 34-13. 27-10. 
Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, hate Texas A&M. I, I used to like rooting for them, uh, but I really, really despise them. They've, they've moved into uh, Oklahoma, um, Boston College, Virginia Tech territory for me of uh, most hated schools. So hate A&M, wish them nothing but the worst, and Nick ain't losing two years in a row. So feel free to put Alabama money line in every single bet that you have the whole weekend for better odds. Um, Zeke could play quarterback for Alabama this year, and they'd beat A&M. Nick will surely it's 100%, but yeah. I Sorry. got the call. For, we missed that one. A&M gave me the call. They wanted me to play, but I was like, uh, no thanks. You can go with uh, Jason Calzone or whatever that guy's name is. Whatever happened <laughs> to that dude? Jason Calzone. Didn't he go to, he went to Auburn, right? Is he just sitting on the bench at Auburn? He's uh, out there with a shoulder surgery. Ah, Auburn. Yeah. Poor Auburn. Mm, yeah. Ryan, Brian, you have what, a different take on this game? What do you think about game? this game? Uh, similar to you guys, except you're giving Jimbo way too much credit. That bag of trash is getting shut out. That's my favorite. That's my actual favorite prop of the weekend. Favorite prop is if you can find a prop that that game's going to be a shutout. You know, that scene and remember the Titans when they lose the quarterback and Denzel brings the defenses and he, he gives you know, they don't gain one yard, not one yard the rest of the night. That's going to be Saban to his defense. <laughs> yeah, They're going to absolutely murder them. This is a shutout 38 nothing. Easy, easy play. He hates Jimbo, and he's going to go full Denzel. Real quick, I'm just doing a quick look here. We got... Let's see here, 24, 27. We got a Texas A&M team total of uh, 13 and a half. That would be an under. They are not getting above that. They scored basically 14 on Arkansas because they got gifted a defensive touchdown. So, yeah, no. And that was on turf in the Jerry Dome, not against Alabama. So, yeah. Ryan, love that play. That that one's going in all my bets. A&M, A&M. Team total under 13 and a half parlayed with the under 29 and a half Iowa, Illinois, big payout. Looking forward to it. While we're here. And since we're already way over time, let's end with a very quick Mike Leach update because he had a very strong week. Uh, first off, they asked him about uh, his win against A&M and they're like, how'd you do it? He's like, well, it was easy because they kept telegraphing the plays. So I don't know what, but they want me to win. Apparently, they really like me. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but pretty impressive. Good. Yeah, he's like he's like they haven't changed anything in all in the years I've been to Mississippi State. They haven't changed one thing. It's the easiest thing ever. Yeah, he's like they just make it easy on me, which is like that's my favorite football related quote since they asked Micah Parsons about playing in the NFL last year, and he was just like, "That's eh, really easy. NFL is pretty simple." I got it pretty quick. All right. I think that wraps up our 12 gracious melodies segment. That's your hidden track. We'll see it. We'll see you at the next album next week. Peace. Take the point.